Time now for the SCL Mortgage Show with your host, Sandy Clough, and co-host, Larry Jager. Stay tuned as we discuss everything mortgage. Educate, form, entertain. It's the SCL Mortgage Show. Now, here's your host, Sandy Clough, with mortgage industry veteran, Larry Jager. And good morning. Welcome to the September 18th, 2021 edition of the SCL Mortgage Show. Sandy Clough with Larry Jager, the president of SCL Mortgage, as always. And we'll remind you right off the top that the number to call for SCL Mortgage, as always, is 303-790-2222. MySpecialMortgage.com is the website. Larry, good morning. Great to see you again. Good morning, Sandy. It's good to be here. We... uh are getting up pretty early every Saturday morning, but you know what? I don't set the alarm anymore. It's just I just wake up out of habit, and and I think it's because well, I know it's because I love what I do here, and I get to talk about mortgages, the topic of uh, thirty three years for me, and I get to hang out with you in this cool studio, and um, so yeah, it's good to be here. Well, we talked last week at length about everything that happens when people buy a house. Yes. So this week. I thought we might talk about the loan process when people are thinking about refinancing okay. a house, okay. which is a slightly different process. You know, it is slightly different. There's a lot of the same sort of mechanics and the same processes that happen, but it is different in the fact that um, a, re- a purchase obviously has a purchase contract, so we have certain dates and timelines that we have to meet. We don't have that, however, in a refinance. So there's no, we have to close on this day. Right. Of course, we want to get to the end zone just as fast as we can. Everybody wants to get there. So there's a, there's a lot of sense of urgency in our world. You know, when we, we get to the first week of the month, everybody can take a break for a little bit. But then come the end of the first week, second week, third week, the heat is on, the pressure's on, everybody's flying 100 miles an hour because we want to close as many loans as possible, and our customers want to close their loans. So- yeah, there are there are similar things, but there are different things as well. I'm assuming the process starts the same way: phone call to a loan officer. Absolutely, right? yeah that that phone call is is really really important. In fact, you know, I was thinking about it driving here this morning, Sandy. I heard a commercial on the air for a large mortgage firm back east, and they talked about everything online. You can do this online. You can do that online. You don't have to uh, You pick your title company, pick your credit report bureau, pick your appraiser, all that. And I thought, you know, th- this business is not there yet. I know a lot of people are doing it, and you can apply online with us. But I think that phone call is really, really important because would you go into a courtroom and defend yourself if you weren't an attorney? Or would you do your tax returns if you didn't know anything about tax returns? You have to have an expert in your corner, I think. And our folks are experts. That's what we've done for forever, me for 33 years. But I bet you if you combined all the experience of our loan officers together, it's well, well over 100 years. So that should tell people, in my opinion, that you want to make that phone call because you're going to get educated, you're going to get informed, you're going to know what rates are, you're going to know what options you have. And if you never talk to anybody in that process, how do you know what, what your options are if you have any? How do you really communicate Yeah, if you're not doing it either by phone or face-to-face? I don't know how you do it. I, I would never um, do this large of a transaction 
with anybody without talking to somebody. I mean, I, I happen to have been doing this for 33 years, so I like to think I know what I'm talking about. But can you imagine spending half a million dollars or refinancing a mortgage and you've done this once every three or five years? It, to me, that's too much of a risk. It's like going to buy a house without a realtor. To me, that doesn't make sense. Uh, when we talk about this process, this is really where SCL seems to shine and is notably different from other mortgage companies. When your loan officers understand the objectives, we talk all the time about coming back with options right. for the customer. And I'm wondering how many other companies, you mentioned one that doesn't do it this way. I wonder how many companies really do it kind of the old-fashioned, old-school way as you do. You know, I think there's some out there, Sandy. I, I'm, I'm sure there are. But there's a lot of companies moving to um, automation yes. or or let's do it all digitally or, or let's do it without that conversation. And, you know, call me old school, but I think that conversation is really important. I know it's super busy in our world right now. So I know there's a lot of companies or, or maybe loan officers that are saying, Okay, you want to refinance. All right, cool. Here's a 30-year loan. Here's a 30, 20-year rate. Do you want cash? No, I don't want cash. All right, I just want to refinance what's there. Boom, they go. It's sort of the low-hanging fruit, if you will, because everybody's busy. But our approach is a little bit different because we think every household is different and every every family is different, and, and they are different. There's no two loans alike. So I think it's it's prudent and it's in our customer's best interest to talk to them, find out what they want to do, what they're trying to accomplish, what their goals are, and then we can offer them suggestions. Maybe people didn't think about taking out cash to pay off credit card debt or or car loans or whatever. Maybe they didn't think that, okay, we're going to lower your payment, so taking this cash does not affect your current payment, or maybe your payment will stay the same. Uh, Did you know you're going to get your escrow account back? Did you know that you can skip two months payments? So there's a whole bunch of things that we may know that they may not know. And you can find that out in 10, 15, 20 minutes. And that, to me, that's vitally, vitally important at the beginning of the, of the process. Is it fair to say, at the risk of oversimplifying, that once the loan officer structures the loan and locks the interest rate in, the process from there on out is fairly standard? Um, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. I thought you might answer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> with some equivocation on that. That sounded too simplistic, even for my ears. <laughs> well, you know, after four years, five months, we've been doing this, that that would be too simplistic. So, so let me tell you that the process is very similar. But again, every family is different. Every, every house is different. So in somebody's case, they may, they may be self-employed. Maybe they're both W-2 pay stub people. Maybe one is self-employed and the other is a pay stub. So there's that dynamic that could go on. Maybe the house is going to appraise for more than you thought, so you have more equity. So maybe that changes and maybe you do want some cash now. Or maybe maybe there's something that shows up on your credit report that you didn't know was there. So we should talk about that. Or when the title report, the title policy comes in, Maybe there's something there that we didn't know about. So we should talk about that. So it's similar in the fact that we're trying to get to the closing table, but it's very different for for just about every loan out there.
We can carry this over to the next segment because yep. I have a feeling we'll we'll need more than maybe a couple of minutes for this. But tell our listeners at least uh, the start of the rest of the story, the rest of the process. And again, if we don't finish, we can go into the next segment. Okay. Okay. So what normally happens during that initial phone call is the loan officer is going to find out what the what the customer's objections are, what they're wanting to accomplish. One thing that's important, and I don't know how many people ask, but our loan officers do, is the, fa- the question that how long are you going to stay in your house? That's huge because if you're going to move in maybe a year, well, maybe the refi doesn't make sense. But if this is your forever home, now that's a whole different story. So then there's a lot more options, a lot more possibilities for you. So so normally the loan officer will get the credit report. Maybe they'll do it while they're on the call, which is um, fine. And, and one thing we do, Sandy, that a lot of companies don't do is we will give them a copy of their credit report. So they can see what's on there. And and you don't have to pay us for it. That's just part of our process, what we do. So we get the credit report, and then we get the income documentation from the customer. Typically, they'll upload it onto our site. It's very safe, very secure, just drop and drag stuff. Um, and then the loan officer does the analysis, and, and they run what's called desktop underwriting. So uh, they put in the information. Desktop underwriting gives us an approval. And then we verify that information with their bank statements or with their tax returns or with their W-2s or whatever. Now we have a loan that's ready to go to the lock desk. Interest rate gets locked, sometimes even a little bit sooner, so the customer knows it's locked and they don't have to worry about it. And then it moves to what we call our setup department, where the appraisal may get ordered, the title will get ordered, the homeowner's insurance will get ordered, all those things that, that have to be a part of the file. So that person in the setup department does that, and then it goes to loan processing. It sounds a little bit redundant, but trust me, we've, we've got this figured out. It's, it's very efficient the way it's done. So the processor gets it, and it's his or her job to go through the file, make sure there's nothing missing, make sure every, all the numbers add up. Uh, if somebody forgot something, well, let's fix it there and then. Because when it gets to the underwriter, we don't want a bunch of approval conditions. We certainly don't want a suspense, and and we don't get denials. So we want to make sure that we have presented that customer in their best light when it gets to the underwriter. I was a a stickler about that when I was a loan officer because I didn't like people telling me, no, no, Larry, you can't do this loan, or no, I can't approve this. I wanted it done and done right, so I was – kind of fanatical about it. I wanted to understand the the guidelines completely. So when that loan hit the underwriter's desk, it was going to get approved. So a lot of things take place that the customer, customer may or may not even know about, but that's our job. That's what we need to do. Once we get it approved, then we're very close to the end zone, set up the closing day, do that, and boom, two days, three days later, we close the loan. All right. We got it in. That's <laughs> on time. Okay. And perfect. when we come back, uh, some interesting statistics that Larry has brought with him this morning about home purchases, and he will share that with all of you next. We continue now on the SCL Mortgage Show. Sandy Clough with Larry Jager. And you were telling me before the show began that you had some statistics, fairly interesting ones, about home purchases. Yes. Yes. And 
I don't know what these statistics consist of, so I'm waiting with bated breath <laughs> along with the audience. Okay. Well, give it to know, us. I give I get this mortgage blog every day in my email, a couple of them actually. And there's always some good data in there, and sometimes there's things that I want to share with our listeners because it's it's related to things we have either talked about in the past or maybe things that we should bring up so our listeners know that may affect the future. So this particular one is, I found interesting, Sandy, because we talk about is this a good time to buy a rental property or a second home? And people say, well, gosh, it's really expensive right now. I don't know if I want to do that. Well, you know what also is expensive? Rents. Rents have continued to go up. So if you think about who's buying properties right now, and there's some really smart people in this country, some really sophisticated real estate investors. You remember uh, back in 08 and 09 when we had that really ugly time, house values went way down. Well, guess who bought them? Very large companies, real estate investment trusts, uh, people that put companies together, raised a whole bunch of money. And I can't tell you how many hundreds of thousands of homes were purchased by these big companies, and then they rented them out. Uh, I'm trying to think of a name off. It's not coming to to me right now, but... So what happened with these these home values since 2008? They've skyrocketed. So people that bought, say, a $300,000 house back in 08, 09, 2010, well, that's worth six fifty, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000 now. And all along the way, they've had people renting it and getting a very good return on their money. So when I think about this, okay, so the article goes on to say real estate investors purchased Sixty-seven, just about 68,000 homes in the second quarter of 2021. Wow. So that's the highest quarterly figure on record. So if you think rental property prices are expensive, okay, maybe they are. But guess what? The big smart money is buying homes at a record pace. So that's up 51% from the prior quarter, and it's up 107% from the second quarter of last year. That's huge. I mean, those are big, big, staggering numbers. So, and, and here's, a, excuse me, here's a, a, a tip that the, uh, the article says, make sure that you have really, a really good program for people that want to buy rental properties. And I think we do because we have our traditional stuff and we have the, the debt service coverage ratio program where as long as the rent meets the payment, you're good to go. We don't have to verify income. So um, you, you can look at it like I'm not a fan of using my house as a piggy bank. Now, sometimes you want to do it, need to do it to pay off high interest rate credit cards, right? But that doesn't mean you should run out and charge up your credit cards and then do it again in six months or a year. That, that's, I'm not a fan of that at all. But sometimes it does make sense. Okay, so let's say, but you can tap into that equity if you put that equity to work. So around the country, there's about $9 trillion of equity in real estate. Lots and lots of money, right? So, so here's the, they take it down. The average mortgage holder has about $173,000 in equity in their house. So debt consolidation refis are, are up. 
uh, paying off high interest rate credit cards like we talked about. But I would encourage our listeners to also think about maybe I should take some of that equity out and buy a rental property. And, you know, the, the, the demand for rental properties is very high, especially here in Denver Metro. You drive down the freeway and you see rentals, uh, apartment buildings going up like crazy. So <clears throat> every time they put it up, and I know this for a fact because my son is recently out of college and, and just found an apartment, and it was hard. I mean, he had to look at a lot of places to find something he wanted, something he liked, something he could afford, and there wasn't a lot of inventory out there. So that tells me that the the rental market is very hot. Rents are high. People need a place to live because a lot of people are moving here. Whether your your son or daughter is just out of college or you drive down the freeway and you see all these license plates from other parts of the country, people are moving here. And they're not all moving here to buy, although a lot of them are, but a lot of them are moving here to rent. So I would seriously think about that if, if – um, if you've always been tempted to own real estate or have a real estate in your portfolio, now is a very, very good time because you can lock in super low interest rates and they're not going to move. If you get a 30-year rate at you know mid threes, low threes, that's not going to change, but your rents will continue to go up. So if you can get a positive cash flow on that property today, that positive, now your taxes and insurance may go up a little bit, but my bet, my guess, my 33 years of doing this tells me that the rents are going to increase more than that. So there's a great positive cash flow on these properties. This is kind of a golden age in some respects for your business, yes. as you just outlined. And your guess has always been that these trends aren't going to radically change anytime soon. No. No, I I don't believe so. Now, <clears throat> interest rates may go up, you know, at some point they will, but because they can't go down much more. <laughs> there's there's no room. Right. There there's just no room. There's the ceiling is much higher than the floor. Right. So, yes, that that's a that's a great analogy, Sandy. So, um, but home one thing we do know is that home prices continue to climb year after year after year. You know, I I've said it before, there's only two times in the history of this country that home values have gone down during the Great Depression and in 08, 09. Only two times in the history of the country. But look what happened after that. They skyrocketed. So, gosh, you it's a win-win situation for people now to buy a house and live in it or buy a house and rent it, buy a house in the mountains or wherever and, and Airbnb it. That is really popular right now as well. And that's a big part of the reason that you are as busy as you've been Throughout this year and through the first half of this month, basically. You know, um, <clears throat> I was talking to our uh, VP of operations this week, um, Sarah, and she said, Larry, take a look at this report. I pulled it out of our processing system and it show she she's very smart. So she manipulated the report to to show different data, different figures and the number of loans that we have in our pipeline the different types of loans we have in our pipeline, whether it's a purchase or a refinance. And yes, our pipeline is as large as it's ever been in the history of the company. So that that's that means things are good. Things are good for SEL Mortgage, fortunately. But more importantly, things are good for our customers. They're doing things that are good for their financial household. 
303-790-2222 is the number. MySpecialMortgage.com is the website. Customer emails coming next. And while we have the chance here, let me remind you about the SCL Mortgage Show Sunday edition with Parker Hillis. Now that Orlando Franklin is in San Francisco coaching with the 49ers, this will air and has aired for the past, what, seven, eight months? Yeah, I think we're eight and probably next month will be nine months with that new show. So it's been been really good. New in 2021, but uh, it has been terrific. Um, we do our show on Saturdays from seven to eight, but the Sunday shows are doing equally well from 730 until eight. So we wanted to remind you of that. Larry, your weekend is never done <laughs> when you're done here at eight o'clock every Saturday morning. You still have more work to do and we'll do some of that work in the form of taking a look at customer emails and answering questions that came in this week and this week only from most, if not all of you. That's next. Sandy Clough, Larry Jager, and this is our favorite segment of the week, customer emails, a chance to hear from you. And again, the phone number for SCL Mortgage is 303-790-2222. MySpecialMortgage.com is the website. And Larry, I see you have a, a fairly healthy stack of Emails again this week. These are all emails that have come in very recently. So uh, the questions are current yes. and pertinent. Uh, exactly right, Sandy. I, I don't think I've ever not had enough emails to talk about. So we have, and, and I've said it before, but um, I'm extremely thankful for the people that listen to this show and the Sunday show. And I'm thankful that they email us our questions and I like to read them on the air because if this person has that question, that means maybe several other people have that question or a similar question. So, yes, and I did look at the dates. They were all like 13th, 14th um, <clears throat> of this week. So um, the, we'll start out with Amy, who emailed and said, simply, I am interested in down payment assistance, comma, DPA. Well, <clears throat> Amy's been a listener for a while. That I can, I can. She knows the vernacular. She does. She does. So, uh, Amy, I would assume that you uh, want to buy a house, and we do have, I think, probably the best down payment assistance program in the state. And I'll quickly highlight the reasons for listeners who have not heard that or don't know about that. So, our down payment assistance program can give people between two and six percent of the purchase price. Now, that covers a 3.5% down payment on an FHA loan, and it probably covers a lot of the closing costs. So <clears throat> when people want uh, or need some down payment assistance, I really like this program. And then, oh, by the way, there's no payment attached to it, no interest rate attached to it. And if you keep this loan for five years, this amount of money that we gave you is forgivable, 100% forgivable. So you don't, don't even have to pay it back. So thank you, Amy. We, we appreciate that very much. Okay. <clears throat> this is from Hillary and Leo. My wife and I are both retired and do have a mortgage, so wanted to talk to someone about a reverse mortgage. We hear your Saturday and Sunday shows on the fan if somebody could contact us. Well, Hillary and Leo, we do have a reverse mortgage program that we have had since the beginning of the company. And if you, um, it, it's perfect for people who are retired, 62 years of age and older. If you still have that mortgage and don't want that payment, 
we can refinance a your current mortgage into a reverse mortgage and eliminate your mortgage payment. So that frees up typically a fair amount of cash in every household when you don't have to ever have to make a mortgage payment again. So um, thanks for listening, and um, we're going to be able to help you out. Okay, so it's funny. Some, some emails, Sandy, are really long. Some people want to give us the entire explanation, and some are like, Tell me about down payment assistance. So either way is fine. We're, we're happy to get the emails, so I don't care. Um, but this particular person, Patrick, said, <clears throat> we are currently in an FHA loan, 3.875%. Well, I know right there and then we can save them money if they want, well, whatever they want, another FHA or a conventional loan. Oh, but they go on to say, Sandy... We're looking to refinance with a conventional loan so we can Im- eliminate PMI, possibly, <clears throat> excuse me, a 15-year loan. We owe, he tells us, how much, and also have a home equity loan that we used for a kitchen remodel a few years back. We owe this much on that. My wife and I make decent income. We haven't seen our credit in a few years, so I would say, Patrick, that Yes, we're going we're gonna to run your credit, and we're going to give you a copy of it. But I would take a look at it at least every year, just so you know there's nothing goofy out there, nothing that shouldn't be there. So um, <clears throat> he wants to discuss a refi. Uh, oh, this is interesting. Uh, one more note. We imagine that we have to get an appraisal done in the house. We're in the middle of putting new uh, wood floors on our upper level. Is this something we should have completed prior to the appraisal? Wow, Patrick, you are um, you're you're saying all the right things. You know, sometimes Sandy, it happens that we don't know about that, or maybe they're in the middle of of finishing the basement. The appraiser goes out and, and sees that, and ooh, it's time out. We have to wait until that stuff is done prior to closing the loan. So, thank you for telling us that. That sort of goes along with our our statement of tell us everything. And then we'll decide what we need to know, don't need to use, whatever, whatever. But, yeah, we'll have to have that done prior to the the appraiser going out there. Uh, Okay, so Dave emailed and said, I'm self-employed and looking to use the equity in my home to pay off some debt. Okay, so sounds like a cash-out refinance to me and probably a bank statement loan. Oh, I can tell by his email, he's a, um, he's a deck person. Um, <clears throat> similar to um, <clears throat> our friend Brett Falsing. Yes. You remember when he was in here, he was a deck guy. Yep, and they I bought do. a house. Yep, yep. And they were able to get the puppy at Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, we got to have him back. He was a great, great guest. <laughs> uh, anyway, Dave, thank you for the email. Um, yes, we need to talk about bank statements for you to get you qualified that way and get you the equity you're needing to uh, pay off some debt. Um, Okay, so Jesse emailed, um, oh, also would like more information about down payment assistance. Thank you, and please have a loan officer contact us. We enjoy your Saturday show with Sandy. So um, there you go, Sandy. You're not exaggerating when you say this down payment assistance program has really sprouted wings and taken off. Gosh, half of our third of our emails this week <laughs> are about down payment assistance, self-employed bank statement loans, reverse mortgages. So yeah, these are these are awesome. So Jesse, thank you. Um, hopefully you just caught all my 
uh, information about the uh, down payment assistance program, but I know a loan officer's contacted you, so you're probably the expert by now. So thank you for the email. And again, to be eligible (laughs) for down payment assistance, all you need is a credit score of 640 or better. Good point. Very good point. Used to be 660, right? Now we're down to 640. So that encompasses just about everybody out there. And and if you happen to be 630 or 35, well, let's take a look at it. Maybe there's some things we can do. You would think there's some things you could do rather rapidly to get a score up 5, 10 points. Yeah, that really, sometimes that's very simple. And we got any number of things we can do to to make that happen. So, yes. Okay. um, Kathleen said, looking to do a cash-out refinance. I have a lot of questions, my husband and I. If somebody could call me, and then, of course, she gives her number and um, email address. But I I really like these kind of emails, Sandy, because this lady knows that she doesn't know what she doesn't know, right? And and she's not, not shy about asking. And, and that's what we want because, you know, pick our brains, tap our, our knowledge, our, you know, decades of experience – because we want you to have an answer to every single question you have, and we want you to have an answer to maybe some questions you didn't know you had. So if we can impart with our decades of experience, now you're going to feel really good about doing the loan that you're going to do, whether you're taking cash for whatever reason, whatever it is you want to do. Um, that's our job. That's what we uh, That's what we do and what we enjoy doing. Okay, um, let's see. Rick? emailed and said, my wife and I have a mortgage of, let's see, my wife and I have, oh, I'm sorry, my wife and I have a down payment of, he gives us a number, several hundred thousand dollars. We'll be shopping in the price range of X. I need to discuss using bank statements for income documentation. Thank you and please call. So here we go again, bank statements, help, <laughs> all the all the the questions people um, have in their minds today. So it's really pretty cool to sit here, Sandy, and think all these questions from people that are self-employed, which means they probably couldn't get a loan prior to this program for years. So for us to be able to offer this program right now to all self-employed people, and a lot more self-employed people than I thought there were out there. So that's a pretty cool thing for us. And it's very, it's rewarding for our customers and it's rewarding for us. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I know we're one of the very few people in the state that offers this program, but we do know it very well. After six and a half years of doing this, we know how to, we know how to explain it. We know how to process it. We know how to get it approved. We know how to close it. So it's really good for our customers. Bottom line, it's simpler than you think. It is. Absolutely it is. And that's why some people, quite a few people, in fact, most all people in this region who have an opportunity to present a program like this, if they'll only learn about it, they back away because they don't know and they believe it to be overly complicated. Yes. And... They want to do loans, and this is an important point I want to make before we break. They want to do loans that are easy. Easy (laughs) That's very true. Easy to explain, get them in, get them out, and you have the knowledge to do these loans rather rapidly, but as we'll talk about in just a few moments, in a way that educates the customer, 
and leaves the customer saying at the end of the process, boy, that was a lot easier than I expected it right. would be. That that's that's so cool when when that happens and and for, it happens very frequently. Oh, I didn't know that program was out there. Oh, I didn't know it was going to be that easy. I thought the it people who don't offer it probably aren't going to tell you very much about who does. <laughs> no, although interesting, we we get referrals. You do from get some referrals and credit unions. A surprising number, yeah, actually. Yeah, I and, wouldn't and, think there'd be any, but. There have been a few, and you've talked about that. And I guess if if they can't help their customer, then they should refer them to somebody That's who can. That's what they should do. Yeah. Yes. And, and, oh, by the way, Mr. Banker or Mr. Credit Union, we don't want the checking account or the savings account, so we'll get the mortgage done and you keep your customer. That's always been our, our, um, our philosophy when it comes to that. So, yes, absolutely. 303-790-2222 for SCL Mortgage, Special Circumstance Lending, MySpecialMortgage.com. We'll come back, and yes, as suggested, we're going to talk about mistakes. And there are mistakes that get resolved from companies that are accountable. Yes. And there are mistakes that tend to linger, confuse, anger, frustrate, and eventually sometimes deny the customer mm-hmm. of what he or she thought he or she might be getting right. at the outset. So we'll talk about those. Even SCL makes errors here and there, <laughs> but the difference is you correct the errors. And we're going to talk about uh, all that goes into it because I know people who work for you get Very positive feedback every time. I mean, we've been doing this show for almost four and a half years. I can't remember a complaint, first of all. And if there has been one, maybe two along the way, the end result, if we hear about it, is that the customer says, but it was solved right away, no harm, no foul. Right. So we're going to talk about that next. Sandy Clough, Larry Jager, the SCL Mortgage Show continued. And Larry, we were talking before the program, and you surprised me a little bit. You said, well, I want to talk some about mistakes in our final segment today. So tell me what you're thinking here, because SCL, in my experience, has been, and I've dealt with you directly, Orlando has, Parker has, Uh, A number of people on our staff have, and we don't remember SEO making any mistakes. (laughs) Well, I would like to say that's true, but I'm going to be honest and say, yeah, on on occasion we do make a mistake. Certainly not, not one that we repeat time after time after time, but sometimes things happen and, and you make a mistake. And, and, you know, speaking of Orlando, I'll tell you this, Andy, that, um, Orlando and his his lovely wife are are buying a new house, and uh, they actually closed this week. But Orlando was in West Virginia, so normally, you know, not a big deal. We we get the loan documents early, send them out to a notary in that part of the world, wherever he is. And in his, this case, it was West Virginia, and he signs the documents. Come back. And then the spouse will sign, uh, which she did on Friday, and, and the loan closed. It was, it was very smooth. But at the last minute, the notary in West Virginia got sick. 
and wasn't able to get there. And then, uh-oh, <laughs> we got a fire drill going on here. We got a panic button. Now, it all ended up just fine. <clears throat> and um, the title company was very efficient. We found another notary. But even more challenging, it was kind of a remote area where the 49ers were staying. So that got a little bit challenging. But but we found a notary. Everything got done. Everything closed. And, and everybody was happy. But sometimes things happen, you know, whether it's a mistake or whether life happens or, or whatever. And, and, you know, I was telling you this week, one of our, um, one of our operations people came to uh, Amy and I, <clears throat> and she was really stressed out. She said, I made this mistake. Um, it's not going to cost our customer anything. I can fix it. But I wanted to ask you what, I, what we should do. And we said, you know what? Mistakes happen. It's okay. And if you just go fix it, that's fine. If you wanted to come to us and talk about it and maybe there's different things we can do to fix it, that's perfectly fine too. So um, I think we've talked in the past, if you make the same mistake over and over and over, that's a problem. Now, granted, people make mistakes. That, that just happens. So I thought this, was, this would be a good topic for the radio. So I started doing some research on mistakes, right, and see what other people say about them. So I, I found three things that I thought would be really interesting to talk about. And you could, put this, you could put this on the football field. You could put it on a basketball court. You can put it in an office building, wherever. But here's, here's <clears throat> excuse me, here are the I tips. hope you can put it in a radio studio, too. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't make mistakes, do you? <laughs> By the way, um, I told my wife that after the uh, the last Bronco score, the game, you told me what the score was going to be, and yeah. you were within points. I yeah. mean, single, like well, a few points. I, I I was a little low on the Broncos. I you, got the Giants yeah. pegged at 13, yep. but I was yep. a little low, 24 on the Broncos, and obviously they scored Three points An additional more. field goal. <laughs> so, I and the Giants think... were very kind to score a touchdown with no time left on the clock uh, right. to bring their total from 7 to 13. <laughs> I've already thanked them, by the way. Oh, did you? Okay. Okay, good, good. So <clears throat> here's the tips. You see the mistake as a step in the road to a solution as opposed to the negative part of it, the, all the bad stuff. Don't let the mistakes depress or discourage you. If you realize that depression and discouragement are negatives that limit your future, you're going down the total wrong road. You got to look at the mistake as a positive and learn from that and see what you can do to make sure it doesn't happen again. So the second point was admit the mistake. I'll admit it takes courage, but recognition of errors is a sign of maturity. Not to recognize them is to deny them. The reality is that denial is more than <laughs> it's more than a river in Egypt, right? It's something that will limit your future. The, those brilliant words, in my opinion, if you <clears throat> really think about that, that makes perfect sense to me. Because <clears throat> my goodness, in my thirty-three years of doing this, I've made way more mistakes than than I'd like to admit. But you know, it's it's happened, and nobody's perfect. So. The third one I wanted to mention, Sandy, was that know that it's only when you ignore the mistake that it becomes a negative. So when we confront mistakes, we take full advantage of it as the positive that they are, because so much we can learn from that mistake, so much we can take away from it where where um, I learned, I know how to not do that again, and 
so you got to take ownership of it and then you learn from it and then you don't do it again. And you can share that with other people and they learn from it. So, so many things to be, to be uh, positive about that. So then I went one step further in my Google research of mistakes. So, so the story is this. Once Thomas Edison was working with a lab assistant who was coming up dry after more than 700 experiments. Well, in his discouragement, the lab assistant told um, Edison that after all these mistakes, errors, and false starts, he simply didn't believe the project was valid. Well, you can imagine what Edison quick, quickly told him. He was not wasting his time. He knew more about the project than anybody alive. That he had not made mistakes, but he had acquired an education as to what would not work. So the assistant went back to his project with renewed vigor. So it's safe to say that each of us took the approach to life. If each of us took that approach to life, we would end up accomplishing a lot more in a lot less time. So after every mistake, we need to understand that we can look back and learn from it and we can move forward with confidence and avoid making that same mistake twice. And I want to hit on that word confidence uh, for just a second, because uh, sometimes uh, in our negative thinking and uh, I suppose uh, even in our denial, when we realize you know, we we've made a mistake and we're denying the mistake and we tend to then overcompensate and feel, well, we are a mistake. Uh, yes. the, the human beings make mistakes and uh, the danger comes uh, along the lines that you've just suggested in reading those quotes, but in believing, well, I'm just mistake prone or error <laughs> yeah. prone. And I, I think about the fumbling concept in football and the number of players through the years, especially running backs, uh, who are sometimes prone to fumble yep. and need to change their ball carrying technique, they can be corrected. Absolutely. It isn't a matter that once a fumbler, always a fumble. It you know, can be corrected. You know what comes to mind? Garrett Bowles. I mean, you can elaborate on that better than I can. But Perfect here was, example. Because yeah. Garrett Bowles became a mistake in the sense that after three years in the league, it was generally assumed the Broncos had made a mistake in drafting Garrett Bowles yep. on the first round. Yep. And he turned that all around with some coaching assistance that he freely acknowledges today. But he did that himself in the end. At the end of the day, <laughs> He was able to fix himself. In the beginning, the first year, two or three, remember <clears throat> when he would hold on to somebody and maybe throw him on the ground, the flag would, would fly, and he would look at the ref like, what, me? I didn't do anything. Now, there's a guy who was in denial. Yes. But the, the better part of the story is that he turned it around. So, hey, it's okay to make, make a mistake. We all do it. We're all going to do it. But it's what you do afterwards that really shows the character of the person, I think. Well, I'll go with the Broncos this week, 23 to 10. 23-10. I, too, will go with the Broncos, 23-10. You know, maybe I'll go 30-10. I think you're spot on, but I'm I'm optimistic the Broncos will score a few They'll hit 30, which uh, they did not manage to do last week. Right. They got close, but they didn't quite get to 30. 
And we'll see. Very possible that uh, you will be closer than I am. We're going to match this year. I'm sure you'll do at least as well as I do uh, on on these (laughs) predictions. Uh, The first two or three weeks should be pretty easy. They look like uh, uh, the kinds of opponents you should beat. Yeah, like exactly. Like that. Exactly. Right. And but, I don't. Are, are you? It, we've only had one game, but are you thinking Trevor Lawrence is all that he uh, we think he is? Uh, yes, and they stink. <laughs> <laughs> and well their put. coach, uh, who is not used to losing football games right. from his college experience, he's never been an NFL head coach before. Obviously, uh, is finding out that uh, the pressures of NFL coaching involve losing even the best teams yeah four games a year he ain't used to losing four games a year he right. sure isn't used to losing 10 12 or more games in a single season an experience he's likely to enjoy this year for the first time all right you'll be back tomorrow morning i will seven thirty on a football sunday here on the fan and of course we'll visit again next week okay. as we close out the month of september Hard as that is to believe. Right, you are. We'll be back in October. And right? we will be back. Uh, that's exactly right. We will uh, We will continue on during uh, uh, the rest of the year, every Saturday morning from 7 to 8, right back here with you on Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Thanks for listening to the SEL Mortgage Show with Sandy Clough and mortgage expert Larry Jager. If you missed a portion of the show or want to listen to the program again, listen to podcasts at the SCLMortgageShow.com. Questions or assistance with a loan? Call their main office in Denver at 303-790-2222 or online at MySpecialMortgage.com, NMLS, 120 